0: Father, you are the God who sees, you're the God who knows, you're the God who cares about every detail, big and small. God, you know our hearts, you address our hearts in the section that we're going to talk about today. And so, Father, I pray that each of us can can understand um, that there's purpose in every word that you speak through Jesus. There's purpose in every single word for us, not just for them. Use these words today, Lord. Um, Show us how you want us to love you better by how we live out um, our lives. And, Father, above all, we thank you so much for Jesus Christ. Not only did he come to teach and to leave us these words, but he came to live a life that we could never possibly have lived. And he came to die a death that every one of us deserved. And he did it for us. And so especially this week, Lord, we thank you. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, in your homework this week. Well, first of all, can you believe we're on lesson four? Like four. That, that You guys killing it. We only have one more lesson of this. And so um, this week, I'm pumped. I'm glad that, that you're here. I'm glad that, um, that you've chosen to spend your time in God's word, especially because I feel like this week was for us. Because most of us are girls. Is Cam still in here? He's not. Okay, I don't know. We're girls. So what do we do? We worry. It's part of our DNA, isn't it? I mean, how many times have you have you worried over something? Have you been stressed over something? And and it's like you get questioned on, it, and you're like, well, that's just the way the Lord made me. You know, you just kind of immediately just hold on to this thought that worry is 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 somehow beautiful. But let me tell you this: um, Jesus talks for an entire paragraph. Actually, that's where we're going to be. If you want to open your Bibles, we're going to be in chapter six, verses twenty-five through thirty-four. You had two days of homework talking about worry, so we're going to do it again in here. But, but Jesus has a lot to say about worry. And, and I feel like um, when I sat down to work on this, like it was harder for me than normal. And you know why? Because it's familiar. You know, I've heard this passage before. I've heard the Luke. In Luke, there's also a, a passage that mirrors it. Luke uses slightly different language because remember, the gospels are, are telling the same stories merely from different perspectives. So Luke's language is a little different. But same story, I've heard it. I know I'm not supposed to worry. I know that God loves the birds and the grass and all the things. I know all these things. But as I sat down to read it, I thought, what are some fresh ways that we can look at this, that we can understand what what Jesus wants us to understand from this passage? Well, it seems only right that we start out defining the word worry. Worry. I felt like I needed to do that because it's one of those words that we all say all the time, and I don't know if I really, really grasped the fullness of it. And so I went, and from a couple different sources, I came up with these words about worry to define worry. It's to feel anxious. It's to be distressed, nervous, troubled about something, consumed. How about this word? Overwhelmed. Wrecked. I would even say addicted to sometimes. Sometimes we are, aren't we? broken over worry we all understand it if you read the lesson this week the first part of it I talked about a really difficult situation that happened in my life a few years ago when my son had a wreck and and I wouldn't consider myself like a worrier like I don't don't feel like that's my thing but you know in that situation in that moment in that temporal time I, I was overcome with it have you been there Even if you're not a worrier, have you experienced things that just seem to just bowl you over, you know? Before we get into it, I want to ask you to do something. I want to ask you to get your paper out, and and I want you to think about something. And you kind of did this in homework, but we're going to do it a little differently right now. But I feel like we are all um, experiencing places in our lives, right, where we are overcome with worry, I don't know if it's a person, a situation, it's a question. Maybe it's an unanswered why. Maybe it's a fear of something in the future. Maybe it's a current struggle, a problem to solve. Shoot, it could be a a to-do list item that's worrying you right now. Two things I want you to think about right now as you are sitting here listening to this. What are two things that are most prevalent in your mind that you are worried about? Write them down. They can be huge or they can be small. But whatever they are, they're having an effect on you right in this moment when you're sitting here. What are those things? Two things. Did you get them down? Comes easy, doesn't it? Well, when you're thinking about those things, now I want you to write down a couple other words, okay? The words I want you to write down now are the words that describe the feelings, honest feelings you have about those worries, Write them down. Just jot them down. They could just be a couple words, you know. It's Nobody's going to look at it. It's just you and the Lord, okay? I found when I sat and did this before I worked on this that my feelings felt similar, you know, for the to-do list item that was outstanding and bothering me and the giant, enormous, dark black cloud that seems to be following me right now. Those two things that I'm really worried about, that I wake up in the morning and I feel a heaviness on my chest, you know, feeling... Those two things were kind of doing the same thing in my life. Like they were both consuming me. They were both overwhelming me. They were both making me sad. They were both making me insecure. They were both making me doubtful. They were both making me want to isolate. They were both doing the same thing. And I say that only because I feel like so often, if, if you're like me, I sometimes will not approach God with the small things because I feel like they're not worthy of the worry. You feel that way sometimes? You feel ridiculous sometimes? I feel ridiculous sometimes that I am buried and then I look at the why of it and I'm ashamed and I, I just feel like we need to start out by remembering this, that God cares about every worry. There's a reason he talks about the grass. You know why when he taught, we're going to read it in just a minute. When he talks about the grass, you know why? Because grass is so temporary, so temporary. It, it's so, doesn't matter, but yet it does and I feel like he wants us to understand that about our worries. So today as you stand here, as you listen, as you watch, I want you to remember that he cares about every single one of those worries and he cares about every single one of those feelings. And that's why he gives us this passage. Well, I mentioned we're going to talk about this whole part about worry, which makes you so happy you're here, right? Well, I hope you leave happy. I hope you leave encouraged. I hope you leave understanding that he cares about your worries. Um, But I wanted to to kind of read between the lines a little bit. Like I mentioned, so much of that passage is so familiar to us, right? Like I thought, okay, God, I want you to show me some things that I don't normally see. And so we're going to go over, um, first we're going to go over what are the, the parts of this passage that we skip over? There's like three things that I feel like I read right past because I didn't even want to deal with, and we're going to go there. Three things that we're going to talk about that we skip over. We're going to talk about what Jesus actually does not say in this passage because I feel like that's important too. And then we're going to talk about the antidote for worry. He gives us an antidote towards the end of this passage for how we are to deal with worry in our lives. And then lastly, we're going to talk about um, how to put trust over worry. How do we trust over worry? Um, I read a quote recently in one of the commentaries I read that said this, and I thought this was just this was the, the premise for everything. It was that that there are two things that are incompatible, and that's trust and worry. They're incompatible. Think about that for just a second. Like I think I think of myself and the way I live my life and the way I'm managing the things that worry me, like carrying in bags of groceries, right? You know, like some of them, I'm like, oh, I trust, I trust you with this, God, but over here I'm going to carry in the other bag the thing that I don't trust you with and I'm worried about. But, but, but when I read that, I thought, no, I think what God wants us to know is these are incompatible items. You can't, you can't section off trust and worry and continue to live a life where you are in fellowship with the Lord. You have to submit it all to him and recognize you are either worrying or you are either trusting one or the other. That's a hard thing to hear, isn't it? Before I read the passage, which I'm going to read the whole thing so we can kind of get our context, I want you to watch for a couple of things, okay? I want you to watch. I know you read it in your homework, but just in case you slept since then and you kind of forgot, there's a couple of things I want you to look for. First, you're going to see that that Jesus uses as his example, as this little metaphor, he he touches on basic human needs. Two basic human needs, eating and drinking and clothing, Okay? what we need for nourishment and what we need for, for clothing, for care, right? Two basic human needs. I think he does that because he knows no matter where you are, what you wear, what you eat, how you live, you will understand that. Isn't he cool like that? So that's the first thing I want you to look for. And we also remember this, that there's gonna be three commands of do not worry. Three times he will command it. And notice I didn't say three times he says it because he doesn't just say it, guys. He commands it. A little side note, you know what that tells me? If Jesus commands us to do something, it means we are capable of doing it. We don't have to say, I was just born this way. Bless my heart, right? We can't can't use that excuse here because Jesus says do it. That means we can do it, amen? The other thing I want you to look for, there's five questions that Jesus is gonna ask that are basically gonna show how wrong worry is. Okay, five questions. Also, just a little piece of information. That word worry in the Greek, it's spelled like this. M-E-R-I-M-N-A-O. Merimnao. That's the Greek. And you know what's interesting? When you look up the definition of the word worry, it didn't quite shake out the way I thought it would, okay? What that word means, the Greek word merimnao, it means this, drawn in two different directions, it means distracted or divided. I think about, you know, if you, if you ever look at Blue Letter Bible, which, you know, I push that all the time as a tool that you can use when you study because it is fantastic. I went and looked this word up. You know where else this particular Greek word um, is used in the Bible? One story that, that stuck out to me. It's in Luke 10, verses 40 through 41. And if you don't have the book of Luke memorized, like I do. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't. Um, it's the story of Mary and Martha. Anyone familiar with that one? Mary sits at the feet of Jesus, listens to every word, takes it all in. What does Martha do? Martha, Martha, you're worried about too many things. That word is used there. Martha is busy and worried and not focused on what Jesus wants her to know. That's the word that we see here. So a couple of things to watch for. So I'm going to read the whole thing, okay? Okay. And you can follow along or you can just listen, but I want you to hear it and I want you to ask God, just show me some things that you want me to understand about the worry that you wrote down in the very beginning of our time together. Those feelings and emotions that you're feeling that are connected to your worry, okay? So think specifically about your situation in this moment while you listen, okay? Chapter six, verse 25, Jesus says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life what you will eat or drink or, what, or about your body or what you will wear? Is not, more, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look, all the birds of the air, they do not sow or reap or store away in barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than them? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See, the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. And if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry Saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all of these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Familiar, right? Right? I don't know if you've studied the Bible much, but odds are good that you've probably heard some of these words in some form or fashion, right, over over your lifetime. Well, what are some things, we hear this, what are some things that we skip over? What are some things that we skip over? Um, Look at verse 27. Verse 27 says this. Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Jesus is telling us here, hey, sweet friend, You can't fix this by worrying. You can't make it better by worrying. You can't go to sleep at night toiling and stressing and worrying and being scared. And somehow, something happens that fixes the problem. That's the first thing we don't really notice. We skip over. The second thing we skip over often is Jesus telling us this. He puts his finger on why we need to hear the whole thing. Ready? Verse 30, he says this. Basically, he says this. I love y'all. Um, worry is a sin, worry is a sin, worry is a lack of faith, that's what Jesus says, Jesus's words, not mine, worry is not cute, it's not humble, Uh, it's not caring, it's not hopeful, it's not helpful, here's what I thought, when I was thinking through this, I thought, this is hard to say, and in fact, even on my paper, I marked out the word sin, and then I put it back, because I was like, I don't even like to hear that, like, that sounded yucky, But here's what I would challenge you. If you're concerned about this, and you're like, yeah, but this is just my tendency. Again, Jesus tells us not to worry. That means we are capable, okay? But what I think about this particular section is this. We we try to dignify worry, don't we? I mean, I, I believe that we call it concern or burden, or it's just my cross to bear, right? We we get pious and we try to make worry somehow something that's uplifting and helpful. And Jesus is calling us on it, saying that that is not helpful in any way. And that is not what I called you to be. Christ said to his disciples that they had little faith in verse 30. He says that to us. Think about this for a minute. We believe that God gave us Jesus for eternal salvation, right? We believe that but not for daily provision. We don't trust him for daily provision. We trust him for our salvation. We don't trust him for our daily provision. I read this uh, quote that a preacher once said this, and I thought this, as painful as this is, it's what we need to hear today, that worry is sin because it denies the wisdom of God. It says that he doesn't know what he's doing. It denies the love of God. It says that he doesn't care. And it denies the power of God, it says that He isn't able to deliver me from whatever is causing me to worry. You see, when we worry, we're basically flying in the face of our Lord and Savior and saying, you know what? Your plan's not enough. I don't trust you. I'm just going to handle this myself. That's worry. The other thing that um, that I think we skip over because that, that's hard to hear, right? It's hard to hear from Jesus' own mouth. We skip over the part in verse 32 where we understand that he knows. Your heavenly father knows you need them. I needed to hear that this week. Did you? He knows your needs. He knows them. He he's, He didn't miss something, you know. He knows what I need. Whether or not I trust him or not, he knows what I need. I think about this week. Um, This week has been, it's been a hard week. It's probably been a hard week for you too. Um, There's been some things to worry about. There's been some things to have to wrestle a little bit with this passage on. But yet, I get to that verse and I think, but you know, God, like, you know, you know, it goes back to that, that scripture about how when you don't have words to pray, right, that the Holy Spirit groans for you. He's been groaning for me this week. What about you? But do you trust him in that? Do you trust that he knows and that he's groaning for you and that he's sitting you down and saying, I got this? Well, we skipped those things. Do you agree? Did, did you see those things? I didn't see them on my first pass um, because I think sometimes I ignore those things. I'm guilty of skipping over Jesus' words on worry. I hope you are not. What about, what does he not say? You know, I mentioned I'm going to say, what does he not say? Um, I was thinking about this. Um, I feel like I say this a lot, and then I'm reminded, well, I obviously need to hear it a lot because I'm not getting it. But there's something, there's two things I saw that he does not say here that I think we need to hear. The first is that he does not say this. There's nothing to worry about. He does not say that there's nothing to worry about. Instead of debating whether something is worry-worthy, <laughs> I need to shift my focus, you know. I think what Jesus wants us to do in this moment, and he's not he's not arguing over the fact that there's a lot of worrisome things. I know this because I see parts of your faces. I know this. But there are some things that you wrote down on that first part of this that are big things, heavy things. And he knows that too. And he's not saying they're not worry-worthy. What he's saying instead is let's shift the focus. Let me give you a couple verses in the Bible. That These were just a couple, okay? Like there's a whole bunch of them. It's a big book. Trust me on this one. But here's a few that came to me that I wanted to share with you. 1 Peter 5, 7, jot that down. You know what it says? Those are Paul's words. And Paul said this, cast all your anxieties on him. You know what that tells me? We're going to have anxieties, right? Psalm 18.6 says this, In my distress I call to him. You know what that tells me? I'm going to have distress. stress. Psalm 91.5, um, so, excuse me, Psalm 91.15 is a crazy verse because he's talking about arrows flying at him, but he's like, I won't be afraid. And you know what that tells me? It tells me that this, this person, this psalmist, was in trouble, wasn't necessarily rescued from the trouble, right? We are there sometimes, aren't we? Sometimes these worries, sometimes the things that we are worried about that are consuming us are ongoing, right? And there is not an end in sight, amen? He knows. John 16, you know this one. In this world, you what? You will have trouble. You, it doesn't say you might, it doesn't say that, you know, if you, if you behave real well and you go to church all the time and you come to Bible study, that you won't. It doesn't say that. That's, that's not a thing. In this world, you will have trouble. But Jesus overcame that trouble. Another one I want to share with you, I immediately came to me, was Jeremiah 29, 11, the most used out of context verse there is on the planet. <laughs> you know why? It's beautiful and it's true, he wants for us to give us a plan. He wants to give I I don't even have it here, but I kind of remember it, um, but I'm always scared I'm gonna say it wrong. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Beautiful, right? I want that cross-stitched on my pillows. I want that like tattooed on my forearm. I want it everywhere. Here's what you need to understand about that verse. It is beautiful and it is lovely for us to share in graduation cards. It's great. But know the context of what was happening at the time. You know what the sentence right before that verse says? It says, things are going to be terrible for 70 years. For 70 years, you're going to be in exile. And then he launches into this, I have a plan for you, declares the Lord. Okay, beautiful. But don't miss the fact that God says, not only does he know where they are, he he confirms that it's going to be terrible for quite a while but yet he's still God, he's still on the throne, he still has a plan, he still loves them, he's still gonna prosper them. It is not gonna look the way they want it to look. Do you relate? He doesn't say there's nothing to worry about. In Jeremiah 29, 11, there's a bright, secure, hopeful future, eventually. Eventually. I don't know if you're in that one. I don't know if you're in that verse. Sometimes I feel like I am in that verse. I feel like I am in exile and I feel like there is no end in sight. And then I remember what Jesus didn't say. He didn't say there's nothing to worry about, Chris. He said instead, you can trust over worry. You can do it. What else does he not say? He also doesn't say this. He doesn't say that you should not join him in caring and having concern and trying to take action, okay? Don't for one minute read this. I feel like we, I think Christians do this wrong sometimes. Y'all probably don't because y'all are precious, but I do. I think sometimes I like to rest in the Lord and say, I'm going to leave at the throne and then just do nothing. I mean, I don't think he wants me to do nothing. I do believe that, that there are times to take action and take responsibility, but I need to understand that God is going to have to be the leader in that. I'm not to get out in front of him. Does that make sense? We'll hit that more in just a minute at the end here. But um, I I think often, you know, this way, if he's going to command you not to worry, then he's going to equip you to be able to to take action in that. Does that make sense? Well, he gives us um, this amazing antidote at the end of this section. Did you see it? In verses 33 and 34, he gets very specific Um, I'm going to reread them so you kind of remember what it says. Verse 33 says this, But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Two things we see here. First, in verse 33, is that we are to seek first the eternal. We are to seek God first. First. Dr. Tony Evans calls this verse the centerpiece of the Sermon on the Mount. You see, he says that if we get this right, everything else falls into place. Who are you seeking first? I think that's a good litmus test for us, right? Like to say, oh, "I always seek the Lord first. He's my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ." Right? Okay. Well, let me ask you this: When 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 everything is falling apart, when you are on your face, worrying, praying, all the things, who do you go to first? First, I don't mean second, I don't mean down the list, I mean first. Where or who do you trust? I, I, uh, something cool happened last night when we were teaching in here. Um, my friend surprised me and came. And it was funny because I had her name written here because seek um, Seek first. The kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. You know what? I don't do that all the time. But you know what I do sometimes? And I think God is so cool that he, he does this for me. Is that sometimes when things are really bad and I'm really wrecked and I, I just don't even think to go to him first. I'm being honest. Sometimes I go to my people. Do you go to your people sometimes first? Here's the key. Have people that point you back to him. Because my friend that came last night I had a thing that I was dealing with, and she's my first person I call. And I called her, and her first question to me was, Chris Murphy, have you taken this to the Lord? And I'm like, dang it, why do I call you? And she was here last night, you know, and she's going through, trust me, mounds of trouble and worry. But yet, she will always point me back to the eternal over the temporal. Do you have people like that? Because we are going to fail at this. I'm I'm going to tell you right now. I love you. You're going to fail at this. So put people around you that point you back to what matters. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the eternal. The second thing we learn in verse 34, the antidote for this worry, is that we're not to focus on the temporary. That we have to focus on the eternal. See, he tells us here, Focus on the daily bread. You remember last week? You slept since then. Remember, there was this whole prayer. It was called the Lord's Prayer, it's a thing. Give us this day our daily bread. What did we talk about? We talked about how that is God providing in the daily for us, not in the, um, um, let, me, let me provide a little bit and then I'm gonna go to sleep and not listen to you anymore. He's referring back to the manna from heaven that rained down every single day when the, when the Israelites were wandering around like a mess in the wilderness. And God's like, yeah, I got you, I got you. I'm gonna rain down manna, it's gonna feed you. And then in the evening, it's gonna rot because I want you to come to me every single day. And God wants us to do the same now. Jesus is telling us that we're to come to him for the daily bread. Do I look just like the world? Let me ask you this. Do you look just like the world? Do you worry the same as the world does? If we choose a life of worry, if we choose not to lean in on the eternal, if we choose not to see what God is providing for me in the daily then our testimony to the world is that God is not trustworthy. You ever think of the heaviness of that? I mean, you got pretty Easter pictures on your Facebook pages right now, right? Like, don't we all, like, we want people to know about Jesus, that he is risen, right? But then they say, oh, but Chris, but you don't trust him, so why do I, you know? You ever thought about that? Like, that is that is a conflicting testimony that I am giving to the world, God knows, he knows, Jesus knows, I'm going to be troubled, I'm going to be broken. We just read all those verses, right? But he never once says, you know what, go ahead and wallow in your brokenness, go ahead and spend a lot of time there in your worry because that's gonna fix things. Nope, it's not what Jesus says. Seek first the eternal, go to him first, but then trust him in the temporary, in the daily bread. That's the antidote. You know, um, it's funny, my friend who came last night, Amy, of you know her um like i mentioned it's been a tough week for me um and and i i right before i was teaching tonight last night i said i called her i texted her i don't know something like that i texted her and i said i'm having a hard time i don't know this is really hard for me i it's hard for me to talk about worry in a week that i feel like i'm consumed with it but god does that isn't he precious how he does that he gives it to us doesn't he you say you believe this, now you live it. And so I want to tell you this, like daily bread. For me this week, this is what daily bread was. It was me reaching out to my friend and telling her I was struggling and I was worried and I was having a hard time. And you know what she did? She, um, she Marco Poloed me back. Also, my second favorite app behind Time Hop. Okay, you're welcome. Um, she Marco Poloed me back and you know what she did? She just prayed over me. And I wrote down some of the words she said. Because, see, if you know my friend Amy, you know that she is going through a monumental battle right now. And she is in the, 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 some dark places with that battle um, with cancer. But she's the bravest, most faithful person I've ever met. And so in the midst of my little worry about coming to talk to y'all, my people, my friends, she prays this. Thank you, God, for being mighty. Thank you, God, for being an incredible, awesome God. You make no mistakes and you care about every worry Chris has. Amen. That's my daily bread. It was God providing for me in that moment because I heard her pray these words over me, knowing what she was going through. And I thought, okay, let's do it, right? That's who our God is. He cares about our daily needs, He cares about your daily needs. He's got Amy's Marco Polo in you in different ways in your life. Do you see it? Do you see that that is him? Well, in closing, um, I just got a few minutes and I thought, man, how do we take this, this whole thing that Jesus taught us, how do we take it and say, I want to live a life of trust over worry. Lord, how do I do that? Remember, you know, those are not compatible things. And trust and worry are incompatible completely. And so how do we do that? I think about this. I think of worry as a battleground, right? It's a battleground. And and when there's battle going on, it's a war. So there's like tons of little mini battles that are happening all along. Some we're going to lose, right? Some we're going to win. I don't know. It's constant. It's ongoing. I think um, in in talking about worry, here's what I want you to know. So Jesus talks about worry. And I will tell you this, this is not the end of the story about worry. If you've read anything else in the Bible, mostly the New Testament, you're going to see, if you keep going to the right, there's letters from the apostles, and um, Peter writes a couple, Paul writes a whole bunch of them, and guess what? There's a lot of talk about worry. Why? I mean, Jesus talked about it. He addressed it. What's our problem? It's the same problem we have. This is a reoccurring repetition that happens universally to every human being on the planet. Every single person has a human tendency to worry. And Jesus addresses it, and so do the apostles. So does Paul. And so I found some words, mostly that Paul wrote. I want to share those with you because I feel like we can take with us. Here's how we apply what we know. We know that God is commanding us through Jesus' words to not worry. How do we do it? The first thing is that we talk to him. Talk to him. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7, Paul says this. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Talk to him. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ. Over and over we see that. Pray. Talk to him. Talk to him. I mean, we learned in verse 30, he already knows. So why not just have a conversation with him about it? You don't have to give him a bunch of background. Trust me, he's got the details. What do you pray for? Do you pray his word back to him? We talked about that last week. I mean, those verses I mentioned before, pray those right back to him. Hey, God, you said in your word that I am not to be anxious. You said in your word that you overcame the world. You said in your word, show me how. I would also say this, when you talk to him, don't just ask for a change of circumstances. I am so guilty of that. You know, I think, okay, I'm praying. It says, I'm check, I'm doing that, I'm gonna pray. But my prayers sound like this, please change this. Please heal her. Please fix that, right? But I think maybe what what the Lord wants us to know, again, he knows every detail. So maybe, maybe we just try this. Instead of praying for a change of circumstances, pray for a change of heart, Maybe, maybe, maybe we pray that God does radical God show offy stuff in the through, right? Because a lot of us are walking through fire right now. A lot of us are, are walking through a, a sea that maybe doesn't feel parted. Amen. So how about we pray, change me. How about we also pray about the outcomes of the through? How about we pray, I know nobody wants to pray for patience, but you can put a little asterisk by that one. You know. But, but I mean, I do think that God wants to teach us those. In the places that we worry, oftentimes, a, a lot of times, we're learning about patience. We're learning about peace. We're learning about hope, right? How about this one? Do you remember this from, I don't know, like a week ago? God, your will be done. Your will be done pray about the outcomes. I don't know. Talk to him about it. Second thing I would say is is rely on his grace. Rely on his grace. What does that look like? Paul again. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 9, if you know anything about Paul, we learn from just a little, little spot in his life that, that he was inflicted by something. He calls it a thorn in his side. Nobody knows exactly what it was. Was it a physical thing? Was it a mental thing? I don't, I don't know what it was, but whatever it was, he asked for it to be removed. And you know what God said? No. God loved him. He called him. Go read the story of Paul. But in 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 9, Paul says this. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this. That it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. And Paul says, therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. So that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Even when he doesn't take it away, even if the circumstances get worse. Even though other people's lives seem easier. Anybody have that problem? Yeah, God, but her? But you see what's, what, her? We do that, don't we? Comparison. Three times Paul says, take it from me. He doesn't stop going to the throne. Don't stop. Don't stop asking. I th- I don't think God was mad at Paul for asking, but I do think it's beautiful that Paul retells the story about how he asked three times and God said no. Um, maybe He won't remove it, you know. Maybe, but I think He wants us to understand that His grace is sufficient for us. His grace is sufficient for you. Thorn may be uncomfortable. We all have them, but His grace is sufficient. Well, the third thing that I would say is, is that I feel like um, we need to understand this about worry, that we need to fix our thoughts. Fix our thoughts. What do I mean by that? Focus on eternal matters, not temporary. You know, the word therefore starts this whole section. Do you remember that? The very first word of verse 25 starts with therefore. And you know, when there's a therefore, you're supposed to ask what? Was the therefore, therefore, right? Okay, so what is it pointing back to? Oh, goodness. It's pointing back to the section right before where we're talking about treasures in heaven, remember? It's talking about the big T treasures, the things that God is saying, focus on these things, not the earthly, worldly stuff that goes away. And so this therefore is reminding us, you need to remember that. We need to remember that. I think of it as a remove, replace kind of thing, okay? When you think about this, what are you fixing your thoughts on? How are you taking away the worry and replacing it with something else? Philippians 4.8 goes on in that chapter, chapter 4 of Philippians. It goes on with this. I love this verse so much. Finally, brothers, do you know it? Whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. It's a choice. It's a conscious decision. This is Paul, the dude with the thorn, telling us this. Remove the worry, replace it with these things. That's where we fix our thoughts. And the last thing I would say that we can do that we can actively choose, if we're going to choose worry, I mean, choose trust over worry, is that we take action. We take action. I mentioned it before. I do not feel like, I do, you can show me in the Bible where it says, I do not feel like, please work. Is it working? Okay, we're good. I'm going to not move. I do not believe. We're almost done. We are, finish line inside. I do not believe that God does not expect things from us, okay? And I think it's important for us to remember that. Um, What are you dedicated to? Are you dedicated to worry or are you dedicated to trust? I think about, okay, you know the idea of a trust fall? I'm not going to do it because that would not work out right now, but have you ever done that or have you ever seen that, right? Like where people fall back and they're like, I trust all the people to catch me. Okay, fine. I feel like this is kind of a trust fall moment. Um, In Philippians four, verse nine, which is the end of this little passage of Paul, Paul says this, what, excuse me, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. You see, Paul knew that his life was being watched, was being seen, and he was going to take action in the step of trust, not in the step of worry. What are you doing? I think about how we can take action. You know how we can take action? We can study truth. You're doing that. Yay, you get a star. Congratulations. We study God's word, this is true. We seek counsel. I mentioned before, have people around you that point you back to the Lord. But I would also say this, if you are overcome and overwhelmed with worry, that is not God. If you are overwhelmed and overcome and overstressed and overscheduled and over all the things, that is not God. He doesn't do that. We do that. So if that's the case, seek counsel. Maybe you're, Maybe the counsel you need to seek is professional. I don't know, but be wise and take action and choose to not let worry overrun your whole entire world. Stop doing what you've always done before. That seems simple, right? And the last thing I would say is plan and work hard. But I would say say this, do not get ahead of God and do not remove him from your plan. I'm guilty of that. I see that as, all right, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna, all these things. Well, I would say, make sure that God is always taking priority over every action you feel led to take. I've heard it said before, go, if you're trying to figure out what to do about a situation, look around and see what God's doing and join him. Don't start a new project, right? If I'm worried about something, sometimes the only thing I can do is pray. Sometimes the only thing I can do is to read scripture. I don't know, but sometimes there is action to be taken, but I think we have to follow and be very careful that we don't get ahead of God. Worry does not have the last word here, guys. Jesus wants us to know that. It's an entire section in the most important speech he's ever given on earth. And it's because we need it. Think about the worries and the feelings you wrote down at the beginning, you know? I wish I could say that uh, tomorrow they're all gonna be gone, but we know, just like he says he's there to, to remove the worry that comes every day, he doesn't say that it doesn't come Comes. It's a battleground. Will you pray? Will you rely on His grace? Will you fix your thoughts? Will you take action? That's what He's calling us to do. I'm going to pray for us, okay? Father, you knew how this week was going to look, you knew every detail of every one of our lives. And we love you for that. We love that you are in it with us. God, forgive us when we don't acknowledge it. Forgive us when we pretend like you're not. God, forgive us when we try to solve the problems, when you're just saying, come to me. Forgive us when we, we wallow in our worry because we feel like somehow that's some pious, precious little thing we're doing. And, and all we're doing is, is denying the truth that you are trustworthy. And we're telling the world not to trust you, God. Forgive us for that. Lord, show us how to overcome this this epidemic of worry. The world wants us to worry. Lord, you want us to trust. I pray that each of us can focus on the eternal as we walk out of here and and choose to, to know that you are providing daily bread in the temporal. You love us that much. You love us so much that you told us this. Thank you that you take care of us. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. And it's in your son's name that we pray, amen.